Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. In case your listeners are wondering why my voice is slightly altered from usual, I'm not trying to do bad impressions of someone, except someone getting over a cold. And I think I got that one right. I think I cemented that one right. But let me tell you a really weird story here. And you'll figure I must have done something stupid, which is probably true. As many of our listeners know, I wear contact lenses. Mostly during the day and at night, I wear the regular eyeglasses. Well, just very recently, a couple of days ago, I started developing an eye infection in my right eye. And I took an antibiotic for it. And then I started, I found an irritation in my eye on the side. And I splashed water into it. I had an inspiration. I splashed water on. I found four contact lenses that had fallen off to the side of my eye. I barely noticed them. And they all snuck together. And as soon as the water loosened them up, I was able, they covered the pupil and I was able to pull them out. Doesn't that sound grisly, Randall? Yeah, thanks for that, Gene. It's, I'm really glad that we're all now... <laughs> aware of of that but yeah no i've i've heard of that happening my former life partner patricia had contacts and would have the same thing happen once in a while and you know she'd need me to check it out and make sure that there wasn't something stuck in there so yeah it's probably fairly common with you contact users in this particular case i just didn't notice it i thought i lost the lenses but knowing this now I realized the only way to really check if I feel an irritation or a lost lens is to pour water over my eyes. It'll help loosen up the lens. That's what got this. And the lenses look pretty weird, four of them together. Yeah. Got to look really weird. New kind of flying saucer, the contact lens saucer. New kind of craft. Last week, Stoneheart, smart guy, fun to talk to. It shows that we have the smartest listeners on the planet. Yeah, David Stone. I like having him on. I'm glad that he's managed to free up a little bit of time to come on and, and, and talk with us every once in a while. He just he brings a flavor to the show that, that uh, I really enjoy. Also makes it an international show, and that's pretty good, too. He just has it nailed. I know he has a musical background, but not necessarily a broadcast background, but he's got a future career there if he sticks with it. Speaking of... Careers, we've got somebody here who has a present career as a very prolific author, mostly of all things paranormal. And that's the one, the only Nick Redfern. Nick, welcome back. Hey, guys. How's it going? Well, I'm recovering. I have no idea about Randall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I try not to burden our listeners too much with my uh, health problems. This was so weird, though, I had to say it, really. Yeah. No, I've been limping around for, God, four weeks with sciatica, So, but it's almost better now. I've been working at it, so it looks like I'll, I'm not going to need, need a wheelchair anytime soon. Nick, have you been doing any shredding lately? Any what? A shredding on the guitar out at the pub? Oh, <laughs> no, I haven't actually, no. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, you know, because our last guest, he's, uh, you know, mentioned uh, he's a musician. And and uh, last time you were on, you were saying that you like getting out there every once in a while and doing a little punk. Yeah, it's just been um, one of those times when um, 
deadlines and uh, things like that and conferences just kind of uh, well you know what it's like it's sort of uh, sometimes everything goes crazy and then it goes quiet so. <laughs> why, why don't we start with that right away then tell us tell our listeners uh, what conferences you're going to be speaking at and what's the latest thing that you're going to be telling them about well, actually, the next conference I've got isn't for a few more months from now. That's the uh, Contact in the Desert one. As far as um, projects and things like that, I've got um, a new book coming out in July called uh, Monsters of the Deep, which is all about sea serpents, lake monsters, giant fish, presumed extinct fish, and anything that's kind of weird and that's in the water. <laughs> That'll be in that book. That one sort of kept me uh, busy, and, and I'm also working on one for later in the year, like a definitive A to Z of everything to do with time travel. The the Monsters of the Deep one, um, that'll be probably four uh, months, maybe at the max, something like that. Wouldn't it be interesting here if you took a couple of months extra on the book, but you went back through time, so you'd still be on time? <laughs> That would be good, actually. You know, you could just um, do it as slow as you wanted and then just sort of zoom back to your regular time. Yeah, that would be cool. There'd be no such things as deadlines ever again, you know. <laughs> Alter the time stream. You had an article here <laughs> for Mysterious Universe, and this brings up a larger discussion. You call it the strangest article, possibly the strangest article you've ever written. Mm. How so? Yeah, this is a really weird and almost sort of um, conspiratorial story about a woman named Florence Mina Thiel. Now, in the early 1950s, she developed a deep interest in the UFO subject and particularly the whole contactee phenomenon. And at that time, pretty much all of the contactees, for the most part, were based out of California, and many of them in L.A. and also in the various desert locations. And, of course, probably the most famous of all would be George Van Tassel, um, who put on all these um, yearly conferences out at Giant Rock, which literally attracted audiences in the thousands and at times in five figures. That's how popular they were, you know, and that kind of um, demonstrates the difference between back then and today. I mean, you're lucky to get sort of three or four hundred people, you know, at a conference today on UFOs. Van Tassel, 60 years ago, was getting like 10,000 people at his outdoors um, conferences, you know, with all the major contactees attending. Now, Florence actually um, went out to Giant Rock on many occasions from the early 1950s through when she died in 1954. And it gets very sort of controversial and almost disturbing because basically what happened um, was that on her final trip out to Giant Rock, which was when Van Tassel was going to put on another of these events, um, she died. And she died under really weird circumstances. What basically happened, as far as we can tell, is that she drove outside of Giant Rock and further along um, Twenty Palms, and 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 that's where she died. What we know for sure is that her car 
was semi-buried partially in uh, a part of the desert near the road. And she clearly got out of the vehicle, walked along as far as she could, got lost apparently, and found like an old wooden cabin there and actually um, broke the windows to get inside because she was dehydrating and, um, you know, she had no water or anything. She was just panicking and maybe even going around in circles, you know, if she was a little bit disoriented in the desert. And um, she actually left $3 bills for the owner of the cabin um, to to allow for the, um, you know, the cost of uh, replacing the windows, which she, had, she, she broke to get inside. And unfortunately, there was no water in the building either. And according to the tracks in the desert, she tried to walk back to the car only to pass out and then ultimately die. Now, it sounds just like, you know, some sort of really strange, terrible, you know, um, aspect of fate. You know, she gets lost, um, the car gets uh, stuck in the desert, and she's not sure where she's going or where she, which way she should be, should be going. And then he got worse and worse for her. We have Gene Randall. Nick, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. 
for your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. The Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. So it naturally has antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-infection, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. But maybe more importantly, the Hebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea builds corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen oxygen to develop and cancer happens to die in oxygen. The tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. Dehebo Tea Club's original pure Pouty Arco Super Tea is only $34.95 plus shipping. Order now at shopsupertea.com or call 818-984-6100. That's shopsupertea.com, 818-984-6100, shopsupertea.com. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So this woman, I guess she was 40 years old, according to your article, dies in the yeah. desert, but there are things of surrounding it that make it either a very strange incident or just a really, really unfortunate accident. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, we can. None of us, I guess, can be too sure what we would do. You know, if you're uh, you're driving out in the desert, you take like sort of a dirt road off the main road, which is apparently what she did. You know, to get photographs and things like that, because she was going to write an article all about the ladies' conference. So you know, you imagine you get off the main road and you get onto dirt roads, then desert roads, and you've been going a couple of miles, and then you get stuck in the desert. And what do you do? Instead of going back, she reportedly went further on, or to the left or right, and stumbled on this cabin, as I mentioned, and no one there. And then he was on the way trying to find a way back, I think, that was the big problem for him. However, you know, what sounds like just a tragic situation and a very bizarre death becomes something else because the only reason I found out about this particular case um, was because not too long ago, the FBI declassified its... Um, surveillance file on George Van Tassel, and which actually runs to almost 400 pages. That's, you know, how close the FBI watched him. And for reasons I'm not really sure, for some reason, there are a number of um, clippings, newspaper clippings, and a couple of documents within the Van Tassel file that talks about the, the death of Florence out in the, in the desert. 
I looked into this and there was just one newspaper clipping about her death in the file. When I read it and then I googled her name, there's literally barely nothing at all on the internet anywhere, which amazed me that, you know, this really bizarre death involving UFOs and mentioned in an FBI file, and yet there's nothing apart from one just link um, on the internet. It's almost like, you know, she's just gone from history. I um, printed out the... uh, the newspaper clipping, and also found in there that there was correspondence between a military member of the military um, from a nearby Marines base who had corresponded with the FBI, and this guy worked in the Marines, whose name we don't know because the FBI has, has blacked it out. Basically, he had concerns that her death was not just an accident. He felt that because he had a deep concern about the possibility that the Russians and communist uh, people in the United States were using the UFO subject as a means to spread communism, but do do it like under a UFO banner. He came to the conclusion that um, Florence was going to go to the police what she knew about this Russia connection to the UFO subject. And, of course, she never had the chance to do this because, you know, she was she was found dead. But it's intriguing, you know, that this Marine or who worked on the Marine base uh, not too far away at all, you know, was deeply concerned and deeply suspicious about her death and felt that there was this connection. So, you know, you've got a lot of really weird aspects to this, you know, a death that seems... You know, the way it happened, you know, seems almost unbelievable. And then on top of that, you know, you've got her mentioned in an FBI file and some anonymous member of the military, you know, telling the FBI, hey, I don't think this is exactly what it seems to be. This is a very paranoid time, 1954. There were communists in every street corner. We had McCarthy. Joe McCarthy, and lots of people were mistakenly identified as communists. In fact, the late Kirk Douglas, he died just very recently at age 103. During his heyday, back when they were making Spartacus, he got this, I think, writer who had been blacklisted for whatever reason. They got him to work. He fought this silly proposal that we had communists in every storefront. He exposed the non-reality of it and things began to change. And he's one of the people who had the courage, the courage to look at the people who are blacklisted and give them the work. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's that sort of, um, you know, sort of typical of that era. It was, it really was, you know, sort of reds under the beds everywhere. And, um, but the main reason why so many of these early contactees like uh, Van Tassel and Adamski and some of the others, why they were watched so closely by the FBI was because some of the things they were saying, what actually did border on communism. I mean, if you read 
um, George Adamski's FBI file, which is actually around about 400 pages in length. And again, that demonstrates you know, how they were being watched and, you know, how there was this paranoia. But in many respects, it was also down to the the fault of the contactees as well, because, I mean, Adamski, um, in one of his early lectures, actually said that communism was the way of the future, that the Space Brothers were communist, and that Russia was going to rule the world. Those statements were actually made at one of his early, very early lectures, and there was a member of the FBI in the audience who actually transcribed and copied the whole conversation. So the FBI's con, uh, concerns were that by claiming that the aliens were communists, and this, this, this today it sounds bizarre, but back then the FBI's concern was that people like Adamski, who first book was selling, you know, in thousands and thousands of copies and, you know, he's on the lecture circuit, the concern on the part of the FBI was that Adamski would try and spread communism but do it via the UFO subject, and that's why they opened the file. And that's the same with Van Tassel. He talked a lot about politics and the economy, uh, as did some of the others. So, you know, you put that together with, as you said, you know, uh, McCarthy, uh, McCarthyism, Reds Under the Beds, even if some of them were, you know, communists, which I'm sure some of them were closet communists, but some, I think, were not. And a lot of it really was just pointing the finger at anyone who dared kind of, you know, sort of talk about a different way of life. So I think, you know, that's probably why people like Van Tassel was being watched and why Adamski was being watched. But one, the one thing we don't have is sort of a, a firm, logical reason as to why this discussion and these newspaper clippings about Florence's death should end up in the Van Tassel file. You know, this is something where we'll pursue this more about the contactees and the suspicions and the surveillance. And I have a few other questions to ask about. We have the one and only Nick Redfern, author of 26,000 books since yesterday. And no, he's just, just a great guy and a great author of really fascinating material. With Gene and Randall, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203.
USA Radio News with Wendy King. An American citizen has died of the coronavirus in China. The total death count now is 720. The criticism of the Chinese response is still increasing. Dr. William Schaefer at the Vanderbilt Medical Center. It's been widely reported that people who are ill are not receiving sufficient care. And that's where a great deal of attention needs now to be directed. Two more planes carrying Americans evacuated from the epicenter arrived in the U.S. on Friday. They'll be quarantined at military bases for two weeks. The U.S. is pledging as much as $100 million to fight the global outbreak. Army Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman and his twin brother, Army Lieutenant Colonel Yevgeny Vindman, were both removed from their jobs at the White House. Ambassador Gordon Sondland was also recalled from his post. This is USA Radio News. Our U.S. Constitution is amazing. It's full of what's called negative rights, designed to protect us from the corrupt powers of a dictatorship. Like our right to worship our own God, not some official state religion. Our right to prevent the government from seizing our property without paying fair market value for it. Or our right to be tried by a jury of our peers, people like us, not by some star tribunal. And that's why America has become the richest, most just society in the world. Other countries force so-called positive rights onto their citizens. These enable one group to take from another group their free speech, money, and choice by using government force. Socialists love wielding this power over people. Sometimes we take our freedoms for granted, but we can lose our Bill of Rights and our Constitution and become like Venezuela or North Korea, failed, brutal socialist regimes. We need your help to spread the good news about our amazing U.S. Constitution. Help us take back America. Go to OurAmericanRights.com. Brought to you by the American Media Council. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. It's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So the FBI is surveilling the contactees on the possibility they are either run by communists or communists are participating. Mm -hmm. So now this has been pretty strange, but where does it end up? I mean, the communist paranoia eventually ended with the army mccarthy hearings and i thought things were starting to get back to normal did the surveillance of the contactees continue despite that well yeah and i mean um for people who lived through it i'm sure it was sort of like a, a really strange 
you know, a stressful situation. I mean, just as an aside, um, one of the very first um, UFO authors, Frank Scully, was actually um, sort of outed as a communist or or was, you know, that the finger pointed at him, but he, he said no. But um, And he may well not have been, but um, he was actually one of the people, you know, in the files. What today, you know, you would call like a person of interest. And um, that's what Frank Scully was, um, regardless of, you know, whether he really did have sort of uh, communist leanings or not. So, you know, that's like another example of how UFOs, communism and government surveillance all kind of um, melted into one, you know, and I think possibly the, the whole issue with um, Florence Thale um, was almost what? sort of the pinnacle of it, you know, um, paranoia. If, if, if she was murdered, you know, it could have been sort of paranoia run riot as a result of um, what she may have been telling to the police or trying to. I wonder when we talk about this and the communist furor or the conspiracy here is how much of the government's efforts to look into the UFO problem related to fears that maybe the Russians had perfected something. Well, yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to the Cold War and, you know, what was going on in the 40s and 50s, I think it was a very much a, not, not that I was there, but I mean, you know, if you look back historically at it, you know, there is this sort of clear concern that, you know, Russia back then, was this mysterious, strange place on the other side of the world and they want to destroy us, that kind of thing. And I think certainly from the FBI's perspective, their concerns really were as to how communism could be sort of um, championed in the United States via very alternative ways and means to sort of, um, I won't say mind control, but certainly influence, you know, people in the United States. And, and as I said, you know, when you've got people, contactees, speaking to audiences of 10,000 at places like Van Tassel's giant rock gigs every year, then you can see how this would sort of start to circulate within the minds of people like J. Edgar Hoover and his, and his special agents, you know, it would be a case of almost, hang on a minute, you know, it's all very well these guys talking about aliens and UFOs, but what's all the what's the deal now he's bringing communism into it? Is he a hired stooge, you know, or is he just, you know, some idiotic guy blundering around saying communism is great? And, you know, when you look at also people like Frank Scully, you know, you can easily see um, when you look at the early 1950s and so many people in ufology had files opened on them. Others were Truman Bethurum, Orfeo Angelucci, George Hunt Williamson. You know, the list goes on and on. I think it was a very different world of ufology than it is today. You know, everybody was ripe for, um, you know, to be to be watched on. And um, and I, I think, you know, it probably still goes on to this day to a degree. But certainly back then, you know, it was far different. But, you know, when you when you add that scenario with, 
you know, that's the, such a strange death in the desert, you know, wandering around. And, you know, and that, the, the, one of the weird things was she was, uh, Florence actually wasn't that far from the main roads anyway, you know. And um, you have to wonder if at some point, you know, she was going to blow the whistle on what she knew about communism and UFOs. Maybe somebody panicked, crossed the line, and, you know, that resulted in her death. This is the reverse of the theories from James Carrion in the Rosetta Deception, Roswell Deception, that ghost rockets, Roswell, all this stuff was designed to spook the Russians during the early days of the Cold War. And I'm talking about, obviously, we're talking about possibility that the Russians were trying to spook us or suspicions thereof. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's actually the theme of my previous book, which came out late last year, Flying Saucers from the Kremlin, which is not about UFOs going over, over Russia. It's actually about how in the Cold War, you know, the we and them did the, uh, their utmost and our utmost to use the UFO subject as means and, and efforts to try and freak out the enemy. And, you know, when you have things like disinformation and counterintelligence and psychological warfare, you really come to realize and understand how much, so much of the early years of ufology particularly were were driven by this to the point where today we really don't know you know how much of it was true you know how many of the contactees were just you know genuine guys wanting to spread their stories or were they hired by you know some other agency um you know it a lot of people in ufology don't think about that side of things. They think, you know, it's black and white. There's aliens, there's UFOs, etc., etc. When it gets into the issue of creating and fabricating stories to, you know, sort of keep the enemy wide awake at night, so to speak, a lot of people don't realize there's very much like uh, there was an undercurrent of like political issues going on. Not just it wasn't just about Blue Book investigating UFO cases. It was also about the CIA and the FBI um, and politics and trying to find ways to essentially freak out, you know, the enemy sort of seed stories that we've got crashed UFOs and, and you know, and that kind of thing, and um, and maybe alien technology. Uh, there's good evidence that the Russians uh, were sort of the, uh, the victims of some really cool um, operations by U.S. intelligence to have the Russians think, oh, my God, you know, the, the, the Americans have got alien technology. And um, and that would arguably a really good way, you know, to try and have the Russians running around like headless chickens. OK, so the theory here then is that then it, it, because this is fairly complex, I'm just going to try to condense it down. And if I, I've got anything wrong, uh, you can you know, just step in and, and correct it. But the theory here is that Van Tassel was promoting communism along with alien visitation. And because Florence was a writer who was interested in UFOs, she was sure that saucers came from another planet in our solar system. And she had a connection with Van Tassel by way of the gatherings at Giant Rock that she represented some sort of threat to the agents in the shadows who were watching this situation. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Van Tassel and communism, he was he was significantly different to Adamski. Adamskin came outright and said to the effect of, um, you know, communism's great. Uh, Russia's going to be, you know, the, the, the Russian way of life is going to be for the future. Um, Russia is going to destroy the United States. He actually said that. And um, he said then, you know, from forever on after then, um, that Russia will rule the world and everything's going to be great. So it's no wonder, you know, speaking to thousands of people that Adamski, you know, uh, had a file opened on him. But to come back to Van Tassel, Let's come back to Van Tassel in our next segment with Gene Randall. Nick, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever. Hey, look, I, I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I, I just want to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help. People who have felt your pain. They know what you're going through. This has to stop. I, I'm losing everything. Everyone. You've been strong your whole life. You can do this, but you have to reach out for help. It's time. I can do this. Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment. 
Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-377-1456. 800-377-1456. That's 800-377-1456. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800 503 8625. 800 503 8625. 800 503 8625. This is Jerome Clark, author of The UFO Encyclopedia and Other Books. You're listening to the Paracast. Okay, so Adamski preaching communism, and now we're going back to George Van Tassel. The big difference between Adamski and Van Tassel was that Adamski was very wide open with regard to his pro-Russia, pro-communism statements. Um, With Van Tassel, it was very much sort of a grey area. And by that, I mean, he talked about how the aliens, everybody was on the same level. Um, Nobody needed to worry about everything because everything was being done and everybody was equal. And so that certainly did sort of, um, you know, create communist um, imagery, if you like, and um, and so did many of the other um, uh, the, the the so-called um, contactees who spoke out at Giant Rock. They also, you know, in, in various ways talked about communism, um, and you know, you can easily understand thousands of people just listening to every single word of these people, you know, and we're not talking about, you know, five people and somebody's dog on a, in a library on a Sunday afternoon. We're talking about 10 to 11,000 people in California, just a few, you know, handful of miles from Los Angeles. So, you know, this, the whole thing sort of smacks of, you know, spies and espionage and um, surveillance programs on the key players. And um, and as for Florence, you know, she was out there just to basically write an article. She had um, dreams of being a, like an author, a writer, and she had worked in the media to a degree, but she wanted to, you know, expand and she'd gone out there to do sort of a um, you know review of the of the weekend events and um, and unfortunately you know she paid the price with her life and um, but but I think for me the most or the most strangest thing about this whole story as I sort of alluded to earlier on is that you can literally find next to nothing about this story you know I mean. 
you know, if you if you look back into the history of ufology, you know, you can find information on just about, you know, the the most the smallest, the most obscure person in ufology and you'll find at least, you know, nine, ten, fifteen links somewhere. But we with Florence, it, there's nothing. There's one internet connection and there's the newspaper clipping in the Van Tassel file. And it kind of just baffles me how a story that ended with a woman dead, which, you know, I'm sure there must have been an autopsy. The police would have been involved. You know, doctors and emergency services must have been out at the site. And at the site, I should also stress, you know, of an area where 10,000 people were going to be there the next day um, to attend the event. And yet, you know, you, you Google her name and there's nothing. And now whether that's sort of a deliberate, um, you know, attempt to hide the truth, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that's taking things a bit too far. You know, I, I think it's it's too it would be too difficult to um, you know find a way to just bury the story, whether it's police files or newspaper clippings. I think probably what's happened is the. The, the easiest scenario that it's just been forgotten but I still find it fascinating and weird that such a bizarre aspect of ufology should not have been known at all as far as I can tell until last week when I wrote the article you know it's just it just that's just another layer of the weirdness well, if anyone was going to dig it up, Nick, it would be you. <laughs> so, uh, you know. It, well, it, I mean, the big irony in all this is because I was actually intent on, on writing something based on what was in the FBI file on Van Tassel. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't like I'd found the um, the material on Florence because I was going for it. No, I was actually seeing what, you know, tidbits there were on Van Tassel. And then as I was going through the 400 pages or what it almost is, I just happened to see this newspaper clipping that says, um, you know, talked about, talked about the death and I thought well what's this so you know I wrote down the names of the players and everybody involved googled them and that's how it happened so had I not gone into the Van Tassel file I wouldn't have known anything at all about um, you know this bizarre story of Florence driving around and walking around and stumbling around the desert and then you know then then life's over well there's all sorts of weird deaths that go on and that are connected somehow in some way to ufology like the whole marconi conspiracy death thing i mean you know, there's a whole i don't know a dozen or more people there that had that all died in that. weird ways <laughs> more than more than more than that actually yeah i've done a lot of research back into this when when i lived uh, when i still lived in the uk and basically this revolves around the marconi company and marconi's done a lot of over the years and and over the world as well a lot of research into high-tech weaponry and things like this and the the reports of strange deaths in marconi actually date back to the early 1970s there's a story of a guy i forget his name now but he was a scientist working for marconi in 
the in, in Cheltenham, England, and he um, had, a, had a very strange experience. He got a, a gun, his own gun. He got he got a license for it because most people, you know, you can't get a gun in the UK. But um, he had his own uh, license gun, and he was up in the attic, and he found, under bizarre circumstances, some classified documents that he'd taken home from Marconi. But what was weird. He, afterwards, he couldn't remember how or why taking the documents home. Now, when he did this, um, one Sunday afternoon, he actually shot himself in the chest. And luckily, he died. But he claimed it was done by mistake. But it almost sounds like some sort of hypnotic situation he'd been plunged into. You know, he takes these documents home, uh, which he shouldn't have done. And then, for reasons he couldn't understand, he shot himself. Now, that was the early 70s. It all kind of went quiet until the early 80s, when you had a lot of scientists and technicians working in the UK for Marconi, but the work was being farmed out to the US because it was all tied in with President Reagan's Star Wars, the strategic defense initiative um, to try and create, you know, this um, sort of arsenal of, um, you know, sort of um, missile defenders kind of thing. And a lot of the people at Marconi um, were sort of involved in the SDI program. Between roughly 1983 and 1992, around about 30 people who either worked for Marconi or who, or who had connections to Marconi were found, dead un, were found dead under extremely weird circumstances. Um, there was one guy who killed himself in his garage, put the car in the uh, garage, turned the engine on and put the um, exhaust on and killed himself. But what's weird, you know, if you're going to do that, that's what you do. You put like a tube from the exhaust through the window, you know, and just wait to die. And that's what he did. But instead of getting in the car, he lay underneath the car. And when the police um, got a call from the next door neighbor to say, you know, they could smell like carbon monoxide, the police raced over, opened the garage door, were hit by this, you know, um, wall of carbon monoxide, and they saw the engine was running, they saw this tube coming from the window, etc., etc., and they were stubborn, you know, they were just kind of like startled and um, stunned for like five minutes until they realized that his body was under the car, not in the car. Which And there were so many bizarre aspects to these Marconi deaths. Most of the deaths had like a weird aspect to it like that. Yeah, I think my favorite one is the one where the, the guy ties a rope around his neck and drives off in his car at high speed. Yeah, that's what he did. He put, um, there was like a street lamp. He put one um, part of the rope around the street lamp um, and the other around his neck, got in the car hit the accelerator and basically decapitated himself. And that's not all. We'll be continuing our discussions about possible strange deaths involving people associated with the UFO and or paranormal movement. Something weird or one of those unfortunate things? Let's do our break with Gene, Randall, Nick. It's your turn, Nick. You're in. The Paracast. Yeah. 
listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we got this grisly situation here where someone's really trying to hang themselves. Not just the traditional way, but letting the motor vehicle help out. I don't know too much about suicide, thankfully. (laughs) But, I mean, I know we shouldn't make light of this. You know, when it comes to suicide and and attempted suicides, you know, or a call for help, you know, I mean, the people who really want to kill themselves, you know, don't go through this process usually of, you know, of a cry for help. They just do it. They go away and just do it. That is the one bizarre aspect of all these Marconi deaths is that these the suicides were so weirdly elaborate you know if you're going to do it why not just get a knife out the drawer sit on the bed or lay on the bed and do it you know or hang yourself just with a piece of rope why go to these extraordinary and bizarre ways of doing it that isn't something you very often see you know I mean, and like I said, going back to that one with, with the guy in the car in the garage, I mean, why would you even think about lying underneath the car when you're about to kill yourself? So, well, maybe he didn't. That's the whole point. Maybe somebody, well, that, you know, yes, put him there. 
That is the whole point. You know, most of those deaths were very, very suspicious. And just the sheer number of them, you know, sort of um, close to three dozen people from the early 70s to the early 90s. I mean, it was just a very, very strange situation. And then, weirdly, it all stopped. And, of course... In a way, at least, it was uh, resurrected in the early 2000s when you had numerous dozens of people working in the microbiology realm who were found dead. Microbiologists all around the world were dropping like flies from around about 2001 to about 2007. And some of them still occur to this day, you know, and, and those deaths are equally weird. You know, people jumping off bridges... Again, suicides with um, with cars, but again, where there was an odd aspect to it. So, um, you know, you do have to wonder if are these just really bizarre suicides, or were they, you know, some sort of sophisticated assassination squads? Maybe. Well, you know, we hear that argument also with regard to some of the notorious deaths in the UFO field. M. K. Jessup. Of course, the case for yeah. the UFO, the Philadelphia experiment, all that stuff, yeah. and also Dr. James yeah. McDonald. Well, yeah, I mean, Jessup's a, a classic one. I mean, he was found in 1959 in a park in Florida. A body was found late in the afternoon when one of the security personnel uh, at the park happened to see the car running, you know, and with the tube going from the car, etc. And, you know, his story is a really weird one because leading up to uh, his death, he had some really weird things going on. He, he, had a, he had a strange car crash where his car sort of went into the side of the road into a ditch and he couldn't figure out how or why he'd done that. And that actually parallels some of the the scientists and personnel in the Marconi stories that they there's one case where the driver of uh, the scientist actually had this really weird like, like a compulsion to actually drive across the highway onto the other side you know and meet the other traffic coming at like 70 miles an hour and kill himself and he had to really fight not to do it and he couldn't figure out why he was doing it uh, that actually happened uh, with Jessup as well that he had a an accident before he dri- before he died when he was driving the car went into the road and he was pretty badly injured and um and then it affected um his married life as well and they split up and um but the night before um he died he was um speaking with a friend of his Manson Valentine and they were agreed to meet for lunch the next day and um Jessup said he'd got some really cool new information he wanted to share and it was kind of intimated it was connected to the Philadelphia experiment maybe and, but then the next day he was found dead, you know, in his car. So, um, you know, another weird one. And that's the thing about so many of these. They're all weird. They're never, I can't say that there's ever like a straightforward suicide. It must be, you know, terrible for somebody when they're thinking of, the, you know, their last seconds, how they're going to do it. You know, but with all these cases, it's it's always intricate and, you know, just no need. The, the kind of scenarios you would think you wouldn't go through. You just wanted to get it over and done with. Yeah, like just way, way too theatrical to, for yeah. normalcy. Yeah. yeah. 
pretty bizarre. Yeah, there's been physicists that that's been happening to also, and is and you know people think maybe that's connected in some way to the uh, attempts to for the Middle East to get nuclear power, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I mean, who knows for sure? I mean, there was you know Karen Silkwood that we have her run off the road as well. But I, I mean, who would be the uh, prime suspects then in this case with Florence would it be the communists because they did you know maybe she ran across one of them and and was going to out them or something or well I mean it's always difficult to say you know when it comes to things like assassinations I mean it's it's always difficult to put the full picture together that's why so many books are still written on the Kennedy assassination or um you know serial killers like Jack the Ripper that kind of thing where some people say there's sort of conspiracy surrounding that and the royal family as well so I mean, if a, a lot of the if a lot, lot of these were assassinations, then I guess it points down to one thing: that being, whoever's doing the assassinating is extremely skilled at their job. You know, um, I mean, for example, there's been rumours for years about James Forrestal, the first Secretary of Defence, who uh, lost his life when he fell or was pushed or jumped, however you want to see it, out of the um, one of the floors of the Bethesda Hospital in um, in the United States. And, um, you know, he, he fell to his death, jumped to his death, pushed to his death, whichever way you want to go with it. But, you know, there have been rumours for years that supposedly he was on the verge of revealing what he knew about the UFO subject, which apparently had plunged him into sort of a state of almost like a complete mental collapse, you know, a complete nervous breakdown. And um, the theory is there were concerns that he was going to blow the whistle to everybody, the media, the public, about what he knew. And then, of course, it never happened because, you know, he he fell from that... um, uh, the tenth floor um, floor, I think it was that it, the tenth floor, I think, um, and just felt, you know, he, he fell to the concrete and died. You know, if you're going to fall that, um, you know, that far, you're not going to survive it. And of course, he didn't. Um, but you know, the the Forrestal story is one of the the earliest ones. You know, that kind of typifies what we see a lot of today: sort of mysterious deaths in ufology. The thing I wonder about, too, if someone is going to cause these things to happen, they're hitmen, women, whatever it is, wouldn't they try to stage these deaths in a way that they go unnoticed? They die in their sleep. Something that wouldn't be so theatrical. Well, yeah, I mean, that is a very good point. And um, and there doesn't seem to be any real logical reason why you would go to those lengths, particularly if you wanted to have it look like a suicide, you know, or an accident. Um, I guess the only other way to look at it is that they're deliberately done like that to really confuse things. So if somebody, you know, tries to investigate it and they find all these weird threads and aspects, that might make it actually more difficult to solve the riddle rather than just make it look like a, you know, a a straightforward um, suicide. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, um, whether it's done deliberately or not, so many of these deaths are memorable in a 
in a very bad and negative way because of the horrific nature of so of so many of them, particularly with the uh, the Marconi ones. Let's break here, guys. Okay. Nick, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll-free call. 800-239-9957. Find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331-800-547-5331-800-547-5331-800-547-5331. 
This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I'm wondering here, Nick Redfern, if another possibility that these deaths are staged this way to warn off others. Be careful what you do because you may be next. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's possible. Um, I mean, if you look, for example, at the whole men in black phenomenon, and particularly in the 50s and the 1960s, I mean, you know, one of the big issues of the whole men in black phenomenon is that the MIB would threaten the lives of people who've had profound UFO encounters. And certainly, again, in the 50s and 60s, you know, you got people like Gray Barker and then Brad Steiger and John Keel talking about the dangerous nature of the MIB, you know, well, maybe at least some of that was sort of um, circulated deliberately to push people away from ufology, you know, and to have them live in fear, you know, not necessarily kill them, but just get the word out there that, hey, you know, we can do this, we can do that, we can do anything to you. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's over the years in ufology, there have been various and highly alternative ways to essentially make people walk away from ufology. I mean, Albert Bender, the first guy to talk about the men in black, I mean, he quit ufology and was gone. You know, he was like just, you know, the tires squealing on a, on a on the highway kind of thing, you know, and uh, he was done with it all, all as a result of these MIB encounters that he had. Yeah, I think there's numerous various ways to get people in ufology out of ufology, you know, and um, and the ones who might basically say, I'm not going to listen to this, I'm going to do my own thing, maybe, you know, they could end up in the worst case scenario. Um, but these so can't be it, like our own people doing this, do you think? It seems like with the MIB, there's two separate factions. Like you've got the FBI guys that went around in their black suits and hats and everything, and they were just doing background checks on people and stuff like that. And then you've got these weird ones that look really strange and seem to be able to do, you know, mysterious vanishing acts and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's no doubt. I mean, I've done several books on the men in black, and there's no doubt that there are two categories of men in black. You've got some, which I think what happened in the 50s and through the 60s was that the government knew that there were these weird MIB sort of going around and threatening people. And I I actually believe that the government did not know and probably still doesn't know who these weird MIB are. But I think they realized, well, hey, if we 
adopt the same kind of imagery as them, you know, we can silence the people. We want silence, you know, we can just terrify them. So maybe they really did put on the black suits and the black fedoras, but they did it for the effect, even if they didn't really know who the real MIB were. So, you know, you've got the government's MIB and you've got the original pale, skinny, bulging-eyed, weird-looking MIB, which could come from who knows where. So, again, a lot of this relates to, you know, the sort of the psychological aspect. And I think that's why so many of the researchers in the 60s, you know, they would get these weird hang-up phone calls in the dead of night, you know, at Point Pleasant when Keel was out there. And, 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 you know, it was just a bizarre situation. People would wake up in the middle of the night with a phone ringing and um, panicking somebody's died, you know, and they go to the phone at 3 a.m. and there's weird squeaking noises and electronic bleeps. And and I think, you know, it's it's very easy to destabilize people, particularly in a field like ufology, which is filled with, you know, a heck of a lot of paranoia to start with. It's, it's really easy, I think, to affect the mindset of people in ufology. I wonder, kind of- with, with regard to Gray Barker, though, how much of what Gray Barker wrote was just stuff he made up to seem conspiratorial. Well, I mean, at one time he had the fake feud with Jim yeah. Mosley. Jim Mosley must be some government spy. Yeah, well, Barker was an interesting and intriguing character, but he was also, you know, sort of a, a flawed and strange character as well. There's, there's no doubt whatsoever that Gray Barker was was an extremely good writer. You know, he's a very atmospheric writer. But he's, and some of his original work, his first early works, you know, it was just straightforward as it was. But to essentially you know, make the stories more exciting. For example, this is hypothetical here, but, you know, kind of he would change. Let's say somebody saw a UFO and it was on a nice, bright summer's day. He would change it to like a dark and stormy night with the clouds shooting across the, you know, the skies and the owls hooting, you know. And he would do that for effect. But you could also make the case that what he was doing was actually lying. Or it was kind of perhaps more along the lines of what Hunter S. Thompson did, you know, with gonzo journalism, where Thompson would tell a real story, but he would distort it for just, you know, hysterical, funny, you know, amusing, outrageous reasons, you know. So I kind of view Barker as like a ufological version of Hunter S. Thompson in terms of of creating like a gonzo type of journalism. But the fact is that doesn't help us when we when we learn that Barker fabricated stuff or exaggerated. It makes you think, well, which parts of the story are true and which ones aren't true. Barker was so, is someone who you have to be very careful about when it comes to his stories and his claims, unless you just want kind of like, a, you know, some sort of late night yarn, you know, around, you know, the woods and whatever. So that's my take on Barker. But I think, you know, his work was influential. If all the MIB stories were coming from Barker, I'd be concerned that, you know, he created the whole thing. 
But, I mean, we have to remember that Barker only wrote his book fly, um, on the subject. They knew too much about flying saucers, which came out in 1956. Uh, we have to remember that there were reports before, like Bender's, which um, prompted Barker to write about them. And, of course, you know, I still get a lot of MIB cases sent to me today. So I, I think it's a genuine phenomenon, but Barker didn't help anybody by, you know, creating fabricated stories and, you know, bending the stories and, and gonzoing up the stories as well. Yeah, they call that docufiction. And, you know, I tend to think that uh, a lot of that is what Willie Streber is doing as well. You know, he's a horror writer. He's he's good at creating a scene. And, and I I just personally think that there's probably a, a healthy dose of that going on in his work as well, too. What do you think? Before we answer that question, we have to break in a moment and then we'll talk about Willie Streber, whether or not. He's fabricating all or some of it. Just going back to Gray Barker before we split, I knew Gray for a number of years, and I think he missed his calling. He could have become a really, really good fiction writer. You know, horror fiction, sci-fi, missed his calling. Too bad. Gene, Randall, Nick, you're in. The Paracast. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. A Red Cross official says water is covering roads in flood-hit northeastern Oregon, and they're finally starting to recede. That will allow residents who've been evacuated to return home and check out the damage. Pendleton Police Chief Stuart Roberts says several places were really swamped. Primarily it was uh, two trailer parks and then some adjacent uh, single-family dwelling homes. The number has not been verified, but somewhere around 200 uh, compromised by high water, uh, anywhere from six to four feet. Also, many roads are still closed by landslides, flooding, and fallen trees in parts of Washington state. In Wuhan, China, the first American has died from the coronavirus. The official death toll there has risen to 780 people. This is USA Radio News. 
Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. Hey folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. So Randall expressing his suspicions that all or some of what Whitley Strieber presents as fact with regard to his abductions may be made up. Nick? Well, I mean, personally, um, I would I would sort of go the other way. I, I don't think that is the case. And I mean, I, I'll, I'll sort of go with uh, a Communion, you know, which was his first nonfiction UFO book, which came out in 1987. Um you know, within that book, you know, Strieber's sort of wide open, you know, and very open how he talks about these events and how he actually said in the books, you know, in his books, um, he wasn't sure, you know, which part of his memories were correct. Now, call me wrong if you think I'm wrong, but I don't think that somebody who wants to get across, you know, a profound UFO event would they actually say, well, I can't really be sure which, you know, uh, memories are true or what, you know, um, or how the story's played out. But as I see it, and to his credit, Strieber did do that. And, you know, I, I think the big difference between that and hoaxes, hoaxes tend to have a story where they say, yes, this is what happened and this is how it happened and these are the dates it happened. They want it all nailed down perfect. But Strieber was like, you know, I'm sure you remember for communion, you know, he talked about some things where his memories were blurred, which essentially creates like a, for, a sense of, um, it might create doubt in some people's minds. 
to me, it, it, it was as if, you know, Strieber was coming across with speaking honestly, saying, hey, I actually don't know the answers to all this. And yes, my memories are muddled, you know. Right. OK, but that's not what I'm getting. I'm not trying to say he's hoaxing anything. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is that because perhaps his mind didn't have a clear recollection of what was actually going on, being a fiction writer and being of a creative mind, you know how you were saying that, uh, you know, Barker would take a day if it was a nice blue day and they turn it into a spooky night. Well, we've got a horror writer here who's not sure about his memories. And I could see how it could be really easy for him to fill in a lot of blanks with what he wanted it to be as opposed to necessarily what it was. And there is a lot of imagery that he uses and descriptiveness in in his storytelling, in mm. all of his books. Well, you know, I mean, I guess on this one, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have to sort of differ. But I mean, you know, that, that makes it for a good debate, you know. I mean, one of the reasons, I won't go into all the details because it's a long, convoluted story, but in one of his books, he actually talks about something that's happened to me and which I've never really told anybody about. And that, and it was an identical situation and a really weird situation. And, and so for that reason, that, that's one of the main reasons why I, I don't think he's made it up. And I know that sounds a little bit sort of filled with intrigue and um, like, you know, dangling a carrot in front of people and say, oh, what's the story? You know, it is just, it is sort of a long and drawn out story, but it's, a, it's just involves one weird situation and it was identical to something that I had um, when his second book came out, Transformation, in 1988. So that that's really the reason why, you know, I, I take the view that I do. Well, that's fair enough. I, it's, it's certainly in ufology, there's no shortage of imaginative stories all the way down to completely factual reports done by people who are attempting to write actual reports, not a book for public consumption that is in any way meant as entertainment. I see, I see with Stryber that there, you know, there's both going on. He wants to write books that people will buy and are, and are, and will sell. And he wants to make them interesting. Maybe it's just the fact that he is a fiction writer that he comes across that way but that his memories are accurate of what happened and he's not embellishing anything. Personally, I kind of doubt it, but uh, it's all pretty interesting. Oh, it is, yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, I mean, it makes for good, you know, discussion because, as I said, you know, I, I for, for various reasons, I, I do think Whitley is telling the truth. But, you know, um, you know, and yeah, you've got and you've got your sort of approach to it as well. And I think, um, you know, that that demonstrates um, you know, how how, how we, we we address these issues. You know, and um, and um, I, th- I think it's actually good to have you know this kind of debate rather than just everybody just nodding your head at this and nodding your head at that. I mean, that doesn't get us anywhere, really. You know. Something you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, when you said you mentioned the woods and I wanted to go back to a couple of your books because this one caught my attention called There's Something in 
the woods. And you oh, talk yeah. about now the forest is a spooky place to begin with, especially if you're out there all by yourself. And and I've, I used to work out in the middle of nowhere. It, it can get really weird sometimes. And uh, so I thought this sounded really interesting. And at one point here, it says that you actually offered yourself up as bait or something like this? So did you go out in the woods and try to have a weird experience or what, what, oh. what happened? Uh, well, I mean, there's, there's nothing new or sort of secret about that. I mean, um, I've done a lot of, uh, performed like a lot of rituals in sort of like chaos magic and ritual or ritual uh, magic. Um, you know, I was reading Alistair Crowley when I was like 13. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't shy away from that. I've performed a lot of um, ritualistic events, shall we say, um, over the years to, you know, achieve an ending um, for whatever the, you know, the purpose of the ritual might be. And, um, you know, I've been heavily influenced over the years by people like John Dee and um, uh, particularly Crowley and Jack Parsons, you know, and, and followed a lot of their ritualistic um, um experiment shall we say so um yeah i mean i've done that a lot of times you know to try and summon up supernatural entities you name it you know altered states the whole thing have you had any success well i mean well this is where you know people become divided you know when you talk about seeing something or hearing something you know is it actually a result of the um experiment or is it due to you know something that um you know so may have altered your your mindset um that's you know sort of um possibly even create something out of the mind, you know, the form, of, like a thought form, the tulpa, you know, the idea that um, the human mind can sort of externalize something which then takes on its own independent existence, you know. So, um, but, you know, th this is not something that I, I hide, you know, it's, um, it's something that I'm quite open and happy you know, to um, to talk about, you know, things like ritualistic magic, chaos magic, um, you know, the, the whole the whole scene, so to speak. And, um, yeah, I've written about that in um, in several of my books and um, and also how this can create what I call like a psychic backlash. You know, you you delve too deeply in these sort of different other realms, so to speak. And um you know, they kind of realize or see that you're seeing them and they, you know, that can that can end up in a very dangerous situation. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who have sort of performed, you know, very dangerous rituals and literally within days afterwards, their whole, you know, their worlds are sort of falling apart, you know, um, divorces, you know, um, electronic equipment in the house just blowing out, um, poltergeist activity and just and ill health and all of this kind of kicks off, um, you know, within days, you know, like a, a kind of um, just a paranormal curse, so to speak. With Nick, Gene and Randall, you're in... The Paracaster. 
for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Join me, George Norrie, in Indian Wells, California, May 29th to June 1st for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, an epic weekend of exploration into UFOs, ancient civilizations, crop circles, and so much more. Over 150 lectures, panels, workshops, and events with leading experts Paul Hellyer, Linda Moulton Howe, Nick Pope, Emery Smith, Stephen Greer, Russell Targ, Doc Wallach, Leslie Kane, and more. Get your tickets at contactinthedesert.com. It's time to make contact, contactinthedesert.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Hey everyone, Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662, or go to Proactive.com 
and enter promo code radio. You heard right. Proactive MD plus free shipping and a free gift. The new charcoal pore cleansing brush. You'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60 day money back guarantee. You're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back. Call now 1-800-583-8662. That's 1-800-583-8662. Or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Again, go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, this is the Paracaster. Greg Fern, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall, Murphy. I'm sorry about that. Nick, we had to stop you because we would be hung out to dry if we didn't have those ads. Let's go. Oh, that's all right. I never sort of shy away from talking about all of this. Now, a lot of people who, you know, think I just write books on conspiracies or Bigfoot or aliens, a lot of people don't realize, you know, that I do a lot of um, research and and active activity, you know, in the field of magic. And by magic, I don't mean, you know, some guy in Vegas who pulls a, you know, a couple of, couple of cuddly rabbits out of a, a black hat, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, sort of extensive, complicated rituals as a means to achieve a goal, whatever that might be, your personal goal. And um, now some people just roll their eyes to this, you know, there's nothing to it. This is just garbage. Well, I, I don't think it is, and I think I've done enough to demonstrate to me, at least, if not to everybody else out there, that... that um, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can achieve things. But also, if you're not careful, you know, you can find yourself in just a, in a very dangerous state. And I do believe that there is like a supernatural realm. You know, I mean, I often ponder on the possibility that the, the UFO phenomenon is not extraterrestrial, but is more like John Keel said, sort of um, the ultra-terrestrials, you know, something that has been responsible and around us for thousands of years and he's you know the same phenomenon behind the ufo phenomenon is the same one behind you know supernatural entities demons you know whatever you want to call them you know depending on your belief systems or whatever but you know maybe it's all interconnected and there are ways to interact with these things if you know how to do it I, I think you're onto something there. Um, when you, well, let's back up a little bit to the whole idea of um, magic. And if, if I'm reading you right there, what you're talking about is more like a sort of like a, a Wiccan neo pagan type rituals, where well, or are well, you talking yeah. about more occult, or are well, they both I'm, kind of the same? Because because I know what you're saying. Like I'm I'm not religious, but every once in a while I'll set I'll set this whole logical side of my mind aside because you really have to do that if you're going to do these rituals. I think you'd probably agree with that. You can't think. You have to experience them, and you just have to follow through with them. And the moon seems to be a really big play a big part in these, at least for me. And I have to agree with you if you do them something will happen in some way, 
shape, form, or another. But I'm not sure that that's connected necessarily with UFOs. Going from that to UFOs, there's a big gap in there for me. Well, one of the things I would say in relation to all that is that, I mean, if you look at, for example, psychedelics, Particularly, for example, like DMT, you know, you've got a situation where the human mind could be can be altered radically. You know, many people, when it relates to um, DMT, you know, they have almost identical experiences very often with these sort of little humanoid type creatures. And I actually do believe that, particularly psychedelics, that when people you know, see a doorway opens, a portal opens, whatever, they see this, they say that. I don't feel that they're actually just hallucinating. I think a lot of hallucinogenics actually allow us access to other realms of existence. Now, just because, you know, a lot of um, psychedelics are extremely, you know, extremely, uh, you know, provoking incredible imagery, I understand why some people may say, well, this is just, you know, this is just down to your mind just being blown out of, you know, its circuit, so to speak. But I don't think that is. I feel that psychedelics allow us access to certain realms that you would not see or you would need, you would not feel open to had you not sort of, you know, participated. And I think ancient man knew far more about all this than we do, you know, sort of communing and using psychedelics. And of course, you know, some people, you know, you talk about psychedelics and some people, you know, they get a really bad situation. Others get a really cool vibe. And that's because, you know, the the particularly with like LSD, you know, you've got the famous angle of like sort of fight or flight versus, you know, are you prepared for something good or are you worried and scared it's going to go bad? Well, invariably, that's what happens. You know, it's kind of like, you know, be careful what you ask for because you're going to get it. You know, you're panicking about it. It's The trip's not going to go well. But for me, all of this, I think, you know, like... Um, like, for example, classic example, Crowley, you know, invoking lamb. If you've seen pictures of lamb, you know, um, Crowley's own uh, drawings of this creature at lamb, L-A-M. You look at it, it looks just like almost, you know, the, the creature on the front of communion. And, um, and I think so many people in ufology would have would have better answers as to what they're doing um, by looking into the issues of psychedelics than routing around the National Archives for Government Files on MJ-12, you know? <laughs> well, there's a... Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. The thing about psychedelics is that does affect the mind. So what we're talking about is purely subjective. Now, if we could correlate somehow those subjective experiences with an objective reality, so say, for example, uh, someone was able to do a psychedelic, have an experience, identify, say, a location where there's some artifact that could then be uh, obtained and studied, then we'd have some real evidence that what you're saying is true. But in the meantime, 
We don't have any evidence that it's anything but what's going on inside the person's mind, regardless of how it makes the person feel and how real it seems to be to them. We seem to lack that kind of evidence. Well, no, actually, you're, you're right on that. You know, it, it's a lot of it is down to perception and how you, you know, you, you see this or you see that or you hear this or you hear that. And you're right that, I mean, when you're in that kind of state, you, no one can truly be sure as to what is something that may have been invoked or you're seeing something that you're not able to see in the real world, but you can in that altered state, or it is just your brain going crazy for the period of the, you know, the, the relevant psychedelic lasts for. Um, but again, I would, I would uh, sort of refer people to the fact that, and as I said earlier with DMT, you know, the, a lot of the experiences are near identical to each other. And I do find that to be intriguing. You know, if one person was seeing, you know, something that resembled Frankenstein's monster and one was a little um, like an alien grey and another one was a flying wing creature or whatever, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, but particularly with DMT, the, the similarities are extremely similar. Now, you could also make the case that, you know, we're all kind of primed the same and perhaps it's just something that's in everybody's subconscious for the reasons we don't know. Or you could make the case that I think, which is the, you know, certain, um, you know, psychedelics can open doors to things that we don't see normally and you are able to see them in certain circumstances and that may open a door if you like. And, um, but you know, I'm not someone who's sort of, you know, sort of uh, banging the fist on the table saying, yes, it's this and no, it's not that, you know, I'm honest enough to say, I don't have the answers. What I do have is a lot of intriguing data and memories, you know. <laughs> I think that's really interesting actually, because, um, you know, like, when I pose that question, it's, it's, I think it's a legitimate question. It doesn't say that the experiences that people are having don't exist or that they aren't profound in some way or that they aren't necessarily seeing something that is real in a, uh, an objective sense. I once saw a, a friend's aura. Uh, up until then, I'd only heard about them. Uh, the skeptics will tell you that there's nothing really to that and that the photographs have everything to do with physics and the way that the photographs are made. But I saw this plain as day. Let's break it there. We're going to have another aura, an aura of commercials. With Gene Randall, Nick, you're in. The Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. 
What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, J. Randall Murphy is telling us he saw aura plain as day. Well, I mean, I mean, if you look at most religious events, they they occur in in an, like an altered state. I mean, you only have to look at like biblical accounts. You know, somebody goes out into the desert and communes, you know, with the angels or with God. That's almost like a shamanic thing, you know. So deep in South America, the shaman goes out into the into the rainforest, you know, and uh, and communes with the gods. But there's not really that much difference to George Adamski going out in the Californian desert and claiming to have seen this long-haired alien named Orthon. The parallels are so similar, you know, and, um, and so many, you know, world religions are sort of born in similar circumstances, you know, I mean... Um, that strange experiences happen, but you know we're all we're always left with this same question again: whether it, whether it's contactees or abductees or witnesses themselves, that if there's any revelation to be had, it's not something that's we haven't already heard before or that's new. You know, it's not something we can't figure out for ourselves. For example, you know, the there was a big anti-nuclear pro-environmental aspect to the contactees. Well, we know this. We know nuclear weapons are not very good for our world, or and we wish we didn't have to have them. We don't need to be told that. You know, what we need to be told is how to maybe perfect anti-gravity or something like that so that we can figure out how to solve more of the problems on, on our world. Tell us something we don't know. You know, that's what we need. And, and same with people who, you know, do psychedelics to gain some sort of knowledge. The knowledge that they come back with is never anything that we don't already know. 
That's the problem. Well, well, it is. But then the way I would answer that is we're looking at it from our own perspective. We're looking at the issues you brought up with our own perspectives. Whereas I think, you know, their kind of, their line of thought, their their mindset may be completely different to ours, you know. I mean, I'll give you an example. You know, you might own like a, a nice, cuddly little pet dog, you know, sort of sits on your couch and has his belly rubbed, you know, and licks your hand and everything else. But then he happens to see like a, a mouse running a car, across the carpet and rips it into pieces. This friendly, nice little dog suddenly changes. And now for us, you would you might think, oh, it's a mouse. You know, you, you might, if you're an animal lover, you might try to find a way to catch it and put it outside. But this, you know, you, your friendly little dog becomes something else because its mind is so different. It doesn't have that, you know, sense of, well, shall I save it kind of thing, you know. It just switches. In other words, the dog's mind you know, in some respects, you know, they are very similar to us. But then they have this wild side as well. We know it's wrong to kill people. Other animals do it for food. You know, they, they slaughter a little, like, for example, a lion in, you know, on the African, uh, in Afri- African jungle slaughters a little animal, takes it back home and gives it to its family. It loves that family. But he doesn't stop it from, you know, tearing mm-hmm. apart another animal. And that's because and we kind of look at that from the perspective we don't really fully understand that because we cannot understand the fully the mindset of that lion or of that dog. And I think we're trying to understand these entities from our perspectives, not realizing that they're kind of like the dog who's one day, you know, who's one second, just having his belly rubbed, you know, and eating his dinner, and then he becomes a killing machine. We don't understand that. And I think that's how it is with the aliens, whatever they might be, we don't, we're not fully capable yet of understanding. But the thing is, we do. We understand perfectly that nuclear weapons are bad for us and that the environment we should take better care of. And these were big messages. They spoke in perfect English to people. And this is what I'm getting at. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but we need something more like maybe what happened in the movie K-Pax, where... You know, if someone is channeling or appears to have some sort of an intelligence from another place or dimension, something alien, that it can say, okay, this is where my star system is. You guys have never seen it before, but if you tune your radio telescopes to this frequency and point it at the sky there, you'll get our signal. That's what we need. Well, we do, but I mean, you know, we haven't really had it. I mean, you could also take John Keel's approach that, you know, he felt that, um, yes, there is like some sort of, you know, huge intelligence, but it's totally insane. (laughs) You know, know, I mean, that's what what Keel kind of came to, you know, towards the end of his life, that yes, this, you know, all these phenomena are real, and there's something behind all these things, like Bigfoot, UFOs, Mothman, and they're all created in some way, you know, by some superior intelligence, but that superintelligence has totally lost the plot. And, um, you know, it's like just crazy and just performs war scenarios and tampers with people and manipulates people and creates scenarios for them just because he can and because it likes 
to do it. You know, don't, don't uh, we kind of do the same thing with each other though, and to animals ourselves? Yeah. Like, how do we know? Maybe like what you were saying, you know, that these beings could be from some other dimension and that we just think the aliens are them but they're not but maybe it's the other way around i mean maybe these aliens have all the technology and ability that they need to mess with us to make us think that i mean they've got anti-gravity they seem to be able to get into our minds if you can control nature and get into people's minds and levitate things and make them see whatever you want with you know holography or whatever it happens to be there's really pretty much nothing that you can't make a person assume or think you could you could make all of these phenomena appear to be completely real to people oh yeah you're, you're right and i mean you know holographic you know technology is sort of going ahead and ahead i mean if you just google like military applications holograms you know you'll see all the um you know the advances that are being made and you know to, to try and um, confuse the enemy you know just 200 tanks on the battlefield that actually aren't really on the battlefield yeah. after all. You know? Exactly. That kind uh, of thing. Uh, we so, had uh, uh, recently Gary Voorhees on, and who yeah. had experienced part of that whole Tic Tac episode and and we presented the quest you know the question to him well do you think that this could be something like some sort of advanced countermeasures where something like radar spoofing and uh some sort of holographic technology might be used to fool the enemy and this all happened during a training exercise and he goes well you know it could be so who knows what do you think well, you're about right it? Yeah, and I think that that kind of goes to a lot back to a lot of UFO experiences where it does seem sort of it's never like a really just a normal event. It seems magical. It's almost like an like an altered state, or you know the person isn't really sure what's going on, or if anything is other than a bizarre dream. I mean, you look at things like. Um, like I said earlier, like with George Adamski going out into the desert, I mean, you know, why not just meet, um, you know, I don't know, a hotel lobby? Yeah, in your like house? <laughs> exactly, local but coffee shop. Is, but, the fact it is, but the fact is, it's in the desert and it all revolves around communing and isolated situations, which... You know, you can dig out the Old Testament and put it next to a George Adamski um, experience, and there isn't really much difference. And um, and there, and there is this sense of kind of you know this sense of isolation kind of creates a, almost like a dreamlike situation as well. And I think that has a lot to do with it. I think you know far too many people in ufology are in the Donald Kehoe kind of mindset still. Ah, uh, Donald Kehoe. I met him a few times in days gone by. Uh, did you really? <laughs> I did. Nick Redfern, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy. You're in. The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. 
And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I'm here with Scott Juseum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS. My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise. Can you give us an example of somebody you help? Oh, can I ever? We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS. Guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation. Call 800-486-8112. That's 800-486-8112. Seven million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Extend your life with Extendovite. Extendovite really works. Just listen to what Wayne has to say. Extendovite. I have uh, been taking it for about two years, and I had uh, really bad heart palpitations. And since I've been taking it, I don't have any major episodes at all anymore. I'm 76 years old, and I still play competitive basketball. Of course, I've taken care of myself really good since I was 60, but... um, Extendivite really helped the blood pressure, really helped the, I used to get really bad episodes of heart palpitations, just skipping beats and double beats. But also I wanted to tell you that I really appreciate your broadcast, that just uh, really refreshing. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So yes, Nick Redfern, I did meet 
Major Keogh in the 60s and the 70s. I interviewed him for a magazine once. Well, actually, a supermarket tabloid. And it was their last issue. So I never got paid for it. (laughs) I think I probably had my pacifier still. (laughs) Major Keogh set the standard for traditional UFO speculation and paranoia. Well, that's the problem, and you made a good point there, traditional ufology. Traditional ufology, as I see it, is like you know, dead as a dodo. I mean, what I would really like would be to go to a <laughs> UFO conference. Would I would love to be able to go to a UFO conference, but put on one, one of the major groups, and you've got somebody talking about the latest on Roswell, and then you've got somebody talking about Alistair Crowley and Lamb, and then you've got somebody talking about, you know, the, the latest with the whole ATIP uh, group. And then after that, you've got somebody talking about Jack Parsons and ritualistic magic to do this and do that. Then have somebody else talking about potential for aliens to be found in outer space. And then somebody um, also talking about DMT. I mean, to me, that would be... That would be a major development in ufology if you could have a Roswell researcher sat next to a DMT researcher. Then, as I see it, that would really start. We would really starting to be make you know good um, leaps, if you like, leaps and bounds. Even, of course, it probably won't happen. But I mean, you know, it would be cool to see you know, like I say, a DMT guy next to somebody talking about the latest on where the dead aliens are stored or whatever. Yeah, it might be an interesting conversation. But personally, I'm totally 180 degrees around that. I mean, you know, I I, I love your books and stuff. And, and, and because you're such a good writer, I just enjoy them. I can, I can eat them up like candy. But it, it's like, for me, I think ufology needs to focus on something and have a definition for it that lets people know what that is and that sets it apart from all of this other stuff, which is just as interesting in its own right. But I don't think that when we're talking about trying to figure out some kind of an alien craft, that we're necessarily talking about a spirit from another dimension. Yeah, I, I think we need to to stick to one thing when we're talking about UFOs and say, UFOs are UFOs, and the occult is the occult, and they can maybe all get together at a paranormal conference. But I'm not really sure that there's room for the occult at a UFO conference. And I think that's what—that's actually what drives me nuts. I'd be fine with everything you're saying if they called it, you know, the paranormal or a psi conference or something like that. But to mix ufology in with all of the rest of it is, to me, just it muddies the water for where we're trying to figure out. Are there any alien craft or are there not any alien craft? That's that's the question. Well, for me, blending all these things together would be the greatest thing possible. (laughs) It would be like the exact opposite of of your approach. It would be a lot of fun. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, the main reason why I think they are interconnected is because if you look at the situations going from the past to the present, I mean, you know, if you look at the stories from, say, for example, England, so we say in the 1500s when belief in fairies was rife, 
you know, people today, they think of, of fairies as like little Tinkerbell type characters, you know, with little insect wings and flitting around the Christmas tree or whatever, all that kind of nonsense. But if you look at the old stories of fairies, you know, they were actually sort of potentially dangerous sort of small creatures. They would break into people's homes in the night. They would take men to the fairy queen's uh, domain and he would have sex with the fairy queen because their civilization was starting to die off and they needed to build up their stock. And, you know, when the experience was over, the man would come stumbling out the woods thinking that just an hour had gone by and, you know, two days had gone by. Those are classic scenarios of fairy lore, but they're also classic aspects of alien abductions, little creatures, missing time, isolated locations, and the fairies had to beef up their stock and the aliens steal our DNA because they're dying off. There really is no difference. Yeah, sure. There's room for mythology and in ufology and in ufology history. And there's certainly a cultural aspect of it. There's no doubt about that, for sure. I guess what it comes down to for me is that, you know, as a kid, when I was sort of 10, 11, 12, when I started getting to like Brad Steiger and stuff like that, um, it was all black and white and, and straightforward. I actually kind of pretty much gave up most of the extraterrestrial aspects a long time ago. I'm not entirely sure at all that the UFO phenomenon is extraterrestrial. I'm far more inclined to think that the UFO phenomenon is sort of paranormal and with occult overtones attached to it. Interesting. Well, it is from a cultural perspective. For sure. I mean, that aspect of it, everything you just described can be, say, if we were to take ufology and put it into an academic sort of discipline, you'd have this main heading of ufology at the top, and then you'd move down, and then you'd have UFO investigations, and then you'd have all where people go and interview witnesses, figure out what the sightings were, see what sort of material evidence there is. But then there's this huge cultural aspect of it as well that actually really does take into account everything you were just talking about maybe it sounds like now i'm doing a complete 180 here but it is probably one of the most if not the most interesting facet of it today you know something we can argue also if we're going to twist the argument that the ufo mystery and all the other paranormal phenomena out there they all hang on the cultural aspects because that is part of what's going on because, I mean, that's, I think a lot of that, that's because we're human, you know, and um, I mean, it might sound simplistic, but it is, you know, it's because we are all hardwired the same, I guess. But it's also connected through all of these different threads. And anyone, and of course, you've been in it long enough to do this and have written enough about it. You can see all of those threads. There are connections that's, that seem to unify the whole thing. It's really quite amazing. The, the longer a person is into it, the more that they tend to see. I wanted to ask Nick, and we'll go into this in the next segment. We have two left, about the fact that he's still getting MIB reports. This is 2020. And I'd like to talk briefly about the form of these reports. Are they the traditional types that we heard in the past, taking on a new slant? Who knows? Very, very prolific writer, Nick Redfern, the one and only J. Randall Murphy, and some guy recovering from a cold named Gene Steinberg, 
And one more thing, Nick will be back on this weekend's episode of After the Paracast, available exclusively to subscribers of the Paracast Plus. Check, check the Paracast dot plus. You're in the Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with Wendy King. A Red Cross official says water is covering roads in flood-hit northeastern Oregon, and they're finally starting to recede. That will allow residents who've been evacuated to return home and check out the damage. Pendleton Police Chief Stuart Roberts says several places were really swamped. Primarily it was uh, two trailer parks and then some adjacent uh, single-family dwelling homes. The number has not been verified, but somewhere around 200 uh, compromised by high water, uh, anywhere from six to four feet. Also, many roads are still closed by landslides, flooding, and fallen trees in parts of Washington state. In Wuhan, China, the first American has died from the coronavirus. The official death toll there has risen to 780 people. This is USA Radio News. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. 800 I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. 
Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, what to say about the end of the previous segment, <laughs> where Nick Redfern became a broken record, where the needles <laughs> stuck on the last groove, the last groove, the last groove. Back to Men in Black, Nick. Can you give us kind of an overview of what's been going yeah. on lately? But before I get to sort of the, the, the specific subject, I think it's important to know that you know, if, you, if you write a book on any subject, I guarantee you'll get feedback from people who read the books, you know, whether it's on Men in Black, Loch Ness Monster, Is Hitler Still Alive, the History of Hollywood. You're going to get feedback from people who read them, and that's, that's primarily how I still get my MIB cases. It's not because, you know, I, I stumble across a case from an old book or whatever. It usually is along the lines of, that, that, you know, somebody reads the books and then they contact you through the publisher or through your blog or whatever and say, I wanted to share this with you. So, you know, there's nothing kind of unusual about that happening. What is intriguing is that in relation to the men in black, and this is why I've been able to write sort of five sub five books on the subject so far, or four on the men in black and one on the women in black. The reason why is because people contact me. But what's interesting is that people still describe the men in black today as they were back in the 60s. Black suit, white shirt, skinny black tie, sort of 1950s fedora hat. So they kind of look, you know, still look like they stepped out of like a 1950s gangster movie or whatever. But the big difference between us and them, so to speak, is that the MIB that people still share their stories with me today, those stories revolve around MIB that look very weird. You know, I call them like the Keel era, Men in Black. You know, pale skin, the skin looks almost like Botox to the max, you know, bulging eyes that they hide behind these um, sort of wraparound sunglasses. They don't seem to understand our mannerisms, don't seem to be able to talk properly, don't understand what food is. And they seem to have occult overtones. People talk about weird things happening in the home after they've left, like um, sort of just bizarre things going on, like electrical um, devices blowing out and and things like that. Um, What's interesting is I hardly ever get reports of the men in black 
today even, looking like normal people. Nearly every report I get is one of these sort of mannequin-type, robotic types. Do you think they're connected maybe to this control mechanism that Valley talked about? Do you think there well, is a control mechanism? Well, I mean, that's an interesting scenario. You know, I sometimes wonder, you know, if you look, for example, uh, the first Matrix movie, particularly out of all the, you know, all of the Matrix movies. But, you know, in the first one, you've got these sort of um, the agents, as they're known, you know, who are the men in black, basically, if you watch the Matrix. Mm -hmm. And they're inserted into the Matrix, into the program, you know, to uh, prevent us all from discovering the truth that we're actually all living in a dream world. Um, so you could make a case, you know, that the men in black are sort of like a controlling factor, keeping us all in place and making sure we don't really pick up on the big picture, you know. And, um, you know, the, I mean, I wasn't overly keen on the first, excuse me, on the second and third um Matrix movies, I think they went on too long. But I do sometimes wonder if, you know, the Matrix and the agents in there, you know, the men in black, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, are we actually pretty close to something along those lines? You know, I don't, I don't think we're literally all living in a dream. But I do think there's something to the idea that reality isn't all it seems to be and that maybe the men in black somehow have a role in ensuring that the you know, so the the world as we see it continues to be the way that they want us to see it. And maybe, but maybe there's a bigger picture that we're not seeing, and that's and their goal is not so much to frighten us, but to just prevent us from finding that that real picture that uh, kind of eludes us. Totally, you're definitely like there's a bigger picture for sure, and we don't see it. I I think anyone that's in this long enough knows that. I mean, we can, we can, there is the, the, okay, we've got craft coming from another star system. There's the interstellar hypothesis, but that, even if that's true, there's still a bigger picture that we don't know, that we don't understand exactly what it's all about. And by the way, yeah, the matrix, the original, uh, probably one of the best movies ever made in this is my opinion. Fantastic. The the other two, like you say, um, they're they're good in their own way. They have yeah. some interesting points, but the first one was the real breakthrough for that, mm -hmm. and the rest just seemed to try to take all the good stuff that was in the first one and do more of it, as if that would make it better. But it didn't really seem to do that. It's just more of the same and a lot less of the new. That was, of well, course, the phenomenon called Hollywood sequelitis, where well, they say, I mean, oh, we could make money. We could make money on this. We have product. And they do. Of course, the worst offender is Star Wars. Sorry about that, folks. Well, one movie that I think did this really good as well, and actually before The Matrix, was a film called Dark City, if you've seen that. One. Oh, yes, definitely. They even used some of the same uh, uh, sets. Uh, in in uh, Dark City for the Matrix, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, we're on the same page yeah. there for sure, Nick. I mean, that, that's that, if people haven't seen Dark City and they wonder what the Men in Black look like, the real Men in Black, watch Dark City because that's how the real ones really look. You know, they're sort of pale and they've got these old, you know, um, hats and black suits and black trench coats and sort of skulking around at two in the morning or whatever. You know? Yeah, they can go floating through the air. They, Kiefer Sutherland is in that one. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's a, I've got that one on uh, Blu-ray for sure. Definitely yeah. a good one. By the way, Dark to, City uh, as a movie, Dark City as a movie didn't do very well. Okay, twenty-seven million gross. That was it. That was the box office. And one of the people involved, David Goyer, was also a producer for the later Batman trilogy. You know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, etc. Well, it should have made more. That was a really good film. What Something it says else. Here, of course, the film may have been too far ahead of its time. Sometimes you get things like that, where the concept is way beyond well, what people are watching. It was interesting that the, um, you know, Dark City was actually uh, made, was it just like one year, I think, before The Matrix? And anything else, I will not comment on it. <laughs> well... What can I say? What can I say? We can go on forever, and we've got like another segment or so to converse with the one and only Nick Redfern, author of 26,000 books since yesterday. We've been talking about the men in black, a phenomenon that still persists. And for listeners who may not have asked the question before, have you met some men in black lately, Nick Redfern? No, I haven't, but uh, I do know quite a few women who dress in black, so... <laughs> but they're goths. That's a totally different thing. Is goth still a thing? I I thought that oh, was yeah. like an eighties and nineties thing. No, most of my uh, old girlfriends <laughs> and, uh, and and latter day girlfriends have been goths. Oh yeah, there's still a thriving goth scene out there. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Actually. For people who may be interested, I, I live just outside Dallas, about 20 miles away, and um, in just a few months from now, Bauhaus are reforming and they're playing um, their their first uh, gig at Dallas. Oh, wow. That's How many years yeah. has that been? Um, well, they're all about six. All the guys are about 60 now, I think, and um, huh? I'm sure they got like a really good deal because they're, they're playing two gigs. I think one is in California, I think, uh, but the other one is definitely in Dallas, and it's just a few months from now. And um, yeah, they're going to check it out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Hey, cool is the break. And then we'll have one more segment to spend with Nick Redfern, the one and only, with Gene and Randall. And Nick, you're in. The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com.
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. When you have a pain in the neck, Ugh. a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay Heating Wraps and Pillow are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our made in the USA microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunny Bay quality. Quality products started under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. This is Big the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Exactly. As we were talking, I did check the box office mojo site. Dark City grossed $27,200,316. It costs roughly that amount to make. And a movie has to gross two to three times the production cost to begin to approach to make a few dollars. So this lost a bundle. <laughs> well, yeah, I could kind of see that. It's still a good movie. Like if you're into that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really cult good. classic, yeah. for sure. You know, yeah, not everybody's really into the cult classics, but it's definitely... It's not unusual for movies or TV shows to take off 
long after they end. And we forget the original Star Trek lasted three seasons, barely held on, had middling ratings, and was forgotten until they brought back the characters, the same actors with a cartoon. Then someone I knew started sponsoring Star Trek conventions, bringing back some of the actors who got no work since Star Trek, and suddenly we had Star Trek, the motion picture. And now we've got Star Trek Picard. That looks good, actually. I'm looking forward to checking that out. If it's the, pre- you know, the previews of it are, are to be believed, it looks, it looks definitely like it's worth checking out. But getting back to um, your books, Nick, this, this is one we haven't covered yet in our talks. Bloodline of the Gods. Unravel the mystery of the human blood type to reveal the aliens among us. Now, let's get into this a little bit because we, we've heard people you know, say that this is going on. But what did you find when you were writing about this? Well, yeah, this is actually one of my most popular books altogether, Bloodline of the Gods. And it kind of looks at the, well, no, it's kinder, it does. It sort of looks at the angle of RH negative blood. RH negative people are in very much like the smallest percentage of all, you know, when it comes to blood groups and so on. Over the years, research has been done particularly into a lot of abductees, and it's been found that many of the abductees, far more than, you know, others, have Rh-negative blood. It basically means they, they sort of lack a particular protein. The the phenomenon is really weird. It, it could be very dangerous if you've got, like, for example, RH-negative, RH-positive person, man and woman get married, they have a baby. It can cause a lot of problems, you know, with the RH-negative aspect. The woman's body actually tries to kill the unborn child because of the, the difference in the uh, from RH. RH negative versus RH positive, and and a lot of abductees have been shown to have RH negative blood as well, and sort of it's been sort of suggested or hypothesized, if you like, that there may be some sort of connection and a line- an ancient lineage going back a long, long time that may be sort of revolving around things like manipulation, genetic manipulation of ancient humans, that kind of thing. So that's basically the, the thrust of the bloodline of the gods. How does the science behind it stack up? Is there an explanation for this or do do the scientists figure that this actually had to be something that was engineered out or in somehow? No, I mean, in, in fairness, you know, it doesn't have to be something that was genetic, that we know for sure was genetically you know, engineered by aliens. There's no proof of that. And there's no, also no proof as to why everybody should not be RH positive. You know, I mean, the figures are actually extremely low. Or, you know, across all the various human groups across the planet, the figures for being RH negative are extremely low. Now, we actually don't really know why everybody isn't RH positive. There's no answer really as to why some people are H negative. Now that doesn't necessarily, of course, mean well we've got to say it's aliens. <laughs> you know, we don't have to say it's aliens. But it's it's still a puzzle though as to why that is the case. You know, the 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 angle of you know a small percentage of the 
of the population being Rh negative and a small percentage of the pos- of the population being Rh negative and um, abductees as well. You know, at the very least, it's sort of an intriguing scenario, put it that way. I would just say this, that I was once married to a woman who was Rh negative. I was Rh positive, And there was an attempt at having a baby and the medication that's prescribed for it was taken, but I don't want to get into the raw details there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it can be a very tragic situation, unfortunately, for some people, you know, particularly in relation to pregnancy. And it's a very, very strange, you know, situation, the idea of sort of manipulated humans and genetically changed and altered. But, you know, I'm not one of these who sensationalizes things i hope you know you know you mentioned early you know is there a way of like a down-to-earth explanation there is but the the down-to-earth explanation is some people are rh negative and some are rh positive the problem is we're not sure why it happens you know you might as well say why does somebody have color the the hair of this color or that color and so on but it's far more uh, sophisticated and difficult to understand than something like along those lines it's we just don't really get it you know right because it goes so far back well yeah i mean what's interesting is that if you look for example at the basque people in spain well, the Basque people have one of the biggest concentrations of people being Rh negative. For most people, the figure is round about 7 8% of the population all around the world is round about you know, those figures for Rh negative uh, figures. However, for the Basque people in Spain and portions of France, percentages of Rh negative people there is actually around about 30 to 40 percent uh, are all Rh negatives. Now, what's interesting is that some of the early humans, like Cro-Magnon, uh, Neanderthal, they were actually had you know high levels of uh, presence in those same areas, Spain and France. So this has given rise to the theory, and, and probably a correct theory, that many of the early humans were themselves Rh negatives. Well, there's certainly some mysteries about where the human races come from. And, and you know, the idea that aliens have had a hand in our evolution over the years isn't isn't particularly new. And I, I don't know. I don't think we can entirely rule out that there's maybe been some sort of influence there. Uh, and it's not just strictly natural evolution that we're dealing with, because there are a number of these oddities in our evolution. You know what? This is about the end of our segment here. Running out of time, the clock on the wall is saying, Nick Redfern, please tell our listeners if they want to know more about you, where do they check you out? That's what it says I'm looking at now. All right. Well, I have a blog called World of Whatever, and that's Nick Redfern 14 dot blogspot.com you can reach me at twitter nick redfern ufo and you can also find me on facebook as well thank you nick and of course when he gets his next group of books out he's going to be back or as arnold said he'll be anyway i don't want to do the arnold thing you can find us on twitter if you look for the Paracast. but right now about the only things i tweet uh, or just the show updates because there's so much competition for the rest don't get me started we're on Facebook to official Paracast fan clubs. Isn't that cool? One's a community, one's a group. We have the Paracast shop. 
That's the domain, by the way, theparacast.shop. We offer four types of branded merchandise, T-shirts, small pillows, things like that, hats, a whole bunch of stuff. And it's still a work in progress, but I think you'll like it. Take a visit and tell us what you think. Go to theparacast.shop. Let me give you another domain we own, theparacast.plus. Of course, that's our premium subscription service where you get this show free of the network ads, better quality audio, except for my cold, which will not change. And you also get the After the Paracast podcast, where, as they say, you never know what's going to happen next. Sometimes we don't either. We also have guests who didn't appear on the main show or guests who have appeared in the main show and decide because we hoodwinked them to stick around for another 30 40 minutes all this excitement and more available for prices starting at just a buck and a half a week a dollar 50 a week for more information go to the paracast.plus the paracast.plus nick redfern thank you for joining us on the paracast all right thanks guys Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs> <laughs>